This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hey, Caitlin. Hey, Jamie. Can you meet me in the playroom in 15 minutes? Yes, I would love to meet you in your... Kneel at the door. Don't make eye contact with me. Oh, so sorry. I'm in charge. It's an expensive-looking room. (laughs) <laughs> There's a lot of gizmos and gadgets aplenty. Oh, are you serious? Welcome to the... I think that was a good opening. That was great. That was a good opening. We've got a lot to sort through today. <laughs> and I would say that I'm for sure underqualified. To talk about today's movie? To talk about today's movie. I yes. also feel that way. We've been talking about doing this movie for a couple months. It's been a, fan, a popular fan request. Mm-hmm. I've been dreading this episode. <laughs> really? I've been looking forward to it, but also knowing that every other word I'll have to be like, but I don't oh, know. No. <laughs> I don't know. I the uh, only I've I mounted a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> the most I'll do in sex is all of the work <laughs> to make it end sooner. Um, okay, this is the Bechdel cast. This yes. is our, our pod. My name's Jamie Loftus. My name's Caitlin Durante. It's our podcast about how women are portrayed in movies. It sure is. Yeah. I wasn't going to get a mic's hard because it's like kind of early, but then I thought about how much we have to get through and I was like, I'm going to get a mic's hard. I actually yes. need to do it. Uh. That hiss. Mike's hard. Uh, the ball's still in our court. The ball is in our court. <laughs> they they literally, they literally owe us. The ball is in our red room and every, we have to every, do something about it. Put it in your mouth. And yeah. on it. <laughs> every time someone Vendemos me, it's in, like you do it every single time. It's uh, the number of Mike's hards it is, which is just, you know, yeah, if $2 I, increments. If I owe you $20, mm-hmm. I Venmo you for 10 Mike's Hard Lemonade. <laughs> right, right, right. That'll get you through the week. Okay. So, yeah, we use the Bechdel test as a just sort of jumping off point for a larger conversation. The Bechdel test for us is two female characters in the movie who have names, have to speak to each other in the story, and their conversation has to be about anything besides a man. Right. So, we'll see how this movie fares. 
But yes, first let's introduce our guest. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. she's a hilarious comedian. She's True. the host of a new podcast called Loner at Koi Wolf Creek. Yes. Sarah Hi. Schaefer. Hi. Hi. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thank you for being oh here. God. I'm so passionate about this topic. Welcome to our <laughs> <I am>. playroom. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Tell us why you chose this movie. Um, well, the new Fifty Shades is out now, mm-hmm. uh, so it's timely. The closing chapter, right? The, it's the last of, one? Well, of the, I think she continu- E.L. James continued to write other things like oh it's now from christian's point of view and like there's all these spinoffs interesting but i don't know if they're going to make movies of those but anyway so it's a franchise Mm -hmm. and uh the third one is out i had never seen the second or third one i have now in the past 24 hours seen everything congratulations Um, been real turned on for a good 12 (laughs) hours Fully uh, just totally titillated. Uh, <laughs> I just came straight from the movie theater, and um, I have a lot to say. Okay. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, I wanted to do this movie because I think it's interesting. I just think there are so many things to talk about there's, in this movie. There's a lot to unpack. A lot. And uh, sorry, were you into the books at all as they were no, coming out? No, okay. um, I was not. I read like one paragraph and was like, this is truly the worst <laughs> writing. I mean, really bad clunky. writing. Clunky. Clunky. Mm. I mean, the woman, I don't know how old she was, maybe in her 40, 30s or 40s when she wrote it. I think so, um, yeah. It was the first time she'd ever written anything, and it was like on a whim, you know, uh, Twilight st- fan yeah. fiction. Yeah. And so our standards probably should be a little lower, but the fact that it got so popular, mm-hmm. a little backstory on me, there was a short time, a couple years in New York, I was actually working, this is really a little insight onto how for any young comedians out there, people pursuing an entertainment career, how fucked up it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was the head blogger for Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, mm-hmm. biggest break of my career, but I wasn't making enough money mm-hmm. to make ends meet. <laughs> so, That's about right. So I had all these side jobs, which was crazy because I was working like 14 hours a day. Um, yeah. uh, and one of my side jobs was to go to my friend, Rachel Kramer Bustle. She's a big writer in the erotic fiction world. Okay. And erotic nonfiction, erotic writing in general. Sure. And she hosted a monthly erotic reading series in New York. And she hired me to come and film it and then put the videos up online. Mm-hmm. And then I also made book trailers for her anthologies. Oh, which were, one was about spanking. And so I literally made a little short film a of trailer? people getting spanked with clothes on because uh-huh. like she wanted it to be, you know, PG so that more people could see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was one of the weirdest things I've ever It was all these weird side jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, I heard during that time, I wouldn't say I read a lot of erotic because I just I'm not a big book reader. I love reading I go through phases of reading books, but mm-hmm. um, I was an English major. You know, whatever. I can read, guys. <laughs> um, hey, speaking of what we majored in, I do have a master's degree in screenwriting from Boston oh, University. Oh, Christ Almighty. Okay, great, 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 great. Qualified. Go on. So you are qualified to talk about this. Uh, um, I got into a screaming match with a debt collector. So hmm. I, too, went to college. Yes, you did. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I heard during this time, I heard a lot of erotic writing. Okay. So then when Fifty Shades became popular, I was shocked at how vanilla it was and like how the stuff I heard was way more advanced and complex. Um, Uh Well, we'll go into... So I watched the movie a couple times, as I always do, to prep for every episode. And then I did some extra work where I talked to a lot of people who have been in BDSM relationships mm-hmm. before just to gain a, a better understanding. Caitlin did of a something. deep dive. I did a deep dive. Yeah. So I have a lot to say in regards to that. 
specifically like how those people experience those relationships and then also how they perceive this movie to be mm-hmm. and how yeah. well or poorly they feel it represents being in a dom sub relationship. Mm-hmm. But we'll get into that. But yeah, we've all we've all got interesting angles on this, right? Mm-hmm. My little angle I'm bringing to the table. I entered this. Oh God, entered does not work <laughs> uh, in this particular episode. Uh, I learned of Fifty Shades of Grey. I think. Well, I mean, because this was like such a huge cultural moment where I remember my friends and I, when I was in college, we would look to see how many people we could see reading it on the train oh. because that was like a thing that people were doing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's so funny that people are reading this like kinky book in public yeah. and what an interesting horny move to be like a you know a horny alpha move mm-hmm. uh, but then I actually interacted with it for the first time when my mom was like Jamie <laughs> you're not going to believe this thing I found she did the same thing with the Twilight series uh-huh. which makes sense because so much of the top half of this movie you can just be like oh yeah it's pretty much Twilight but with no vampires and kinky yeah. uh, aged up five years but mm-hmm. whatever uh, so my mom was really like, she had the box set. This was prior to the movies. Very into it. She was like trying to get me to read the first book. And so all my early experience with this franchise was all moms. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of like what the audience for this is, is moms. And, and I know a lot when the movie started coming out, like friends of mine would go with their moms. And it was like this that is weird strange. kinky bonding <laughs> thing. But I, I do think it's like a, a thing. And, and, you know, there's five million pieces written about Fifty Shades of Grey. Every single take has been taken at this point. But uh, just... Uh, well, we're going to come in with a new one. Oh, no yeah, one's ever yeah, What if someone heard me say that and they're like, actually, I'm just going <laughs> to shut it off. There. Uh, but but it is interesting to me where like the, this is like obviously a franchise with a primary female audience and how with with Twilight too it's like people are so shamed for like going to see these movies and enjoying them even even if it is like you know it's a like campy and it's a little silly and and to your point is not an accurate representation of the BDSM community mm-hmm. but uh i mean i know i for sure participated in being like this is so stupid this is so silly and dumb and now i'm just like oh who cares mm-hmm. you know it's it's people enjoy it if this is how moms learn about kink i'll let them yeah let the moms flick I've the i've kind of come to that after watching it today i was like yeah there's no yeah. I mean, there's issues. There's yeah. for we can sure get issues. into it. The theater I was in today, because it was early, it was like mm. noon. It, it, there weren't many people in the audience mm-hmm. um, at that showing, but everyone was kind of like chuckling and laughing and there to kind of sort of go with it. I mean, ultimately, it's a fantasy, you know, yeah. and there's this, there's stuff that appeals to me in it. Like, how can you not get caught up in the fantasy of like, an extremely attractive rich man like whisking you away obsessed with you yeah yeah i mean that is like you know and obviously not everybody is into that but like there is something beautiful about it where it's just eye candy you're like oh my god look sure yeah i understand the appeal yeah yeah Yeah. so i just wanted to say that at the top because there is so much to unpack but i don't i i feel badly when it's like i don't want people to feel bad for enjoying a movie like this especially if it's the their first exposure to something like this because it Mm -hmm. is that in a lot of ways it is fun there's a former guest of the cast Lindsay ellis recently made a a really uh interesting video 
essay I would direct everyone to. We'll put it in the notes of this episode. We always say that, but we've never we've had, never literally never had notes. Check out the notes. Maybe something will, uh, anyways. But she made this great video essay about the Twilight franchise and about all the vitriol and basically how society has a way of really unloading on anything that teenage girls really like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and equally stupid things that teenage boys like, like Transformers and shit like that, don't get the same kind of vitriol. Mm. Um, and I, I would argue that Fifty Shades of Grey, for, for a slightly older audience, kind of falls under the same mm-hmm. umbrella. So if you enjoy these movies and you went to see them, I don't want you to feel bad about yourself. Yeah. That said, and now the rest of the podcast. <laughs> <All right. laughs> first, I want to say that I saw the movie Fifty Shades of Grey, the first one, in the theater in 2015. It was the first movie I saw in the theater when I moved to Los Angeles. Oh, so I think like, it ever. ever. <laughs> what if the first oh movie God. I ever saw in a movie theater was Fifty Shades of Grey <laughs> wow. in 2015? No, I um, I moved to L.A. and then that was the first movie I saw after moving here. Interesting. That I saw in the theater. I went with a few gal pals. I did not really know what the movie was or hadn't read any of the books. I still haven't. I have now seen the first two movies. Mm. At this point, I have not seen the third one, but I do have plans to go see it on Valentine's Day brag um wow hot i know so but yeah i um well i'll get into that later i can't i I would be remiss not to bring up the bingo board one of our fans made a bingo board and now every time we talk about something we've talked about previously i'm thinking about the bingo board and i came into this episode thinking about the bingo board yeah where anytime we mention one of our motifs if you will Remote. You, I'm you sorry. Play bingo, Please. Yeah. I'm sorry. Did you do you have a master's degree in screenwriting or something? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to bring it up. So I mean, <laughs> I might just have some bingo board moments. Okay. Please. Just, um, okay. So the, the so the recap of Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, we meet Anastasia Steele. She is about to graduate from college. Played by Dakota Johnson, who is Melanie Griffith's daughter slash Tippi Hedren's granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's a legacy. She fills in for her roommate, who is a journalism student, to do this interview. They're interviewing someone named Christian Gray for the school newspaper. So she goes and interviews him. He is a 27-year-old billionaire. He's already he's built this huge business empire. Okay, There's so much vagueness in this movie, and I really love where they choose. What does he do? What is his job? It seems like he does telecommunications. I I thought it was green energy. (laughs) I did. We literally don't. Well, because there was a mention. She was like, there's a hedge fund at mentioned at one point by his mother. Yeah. Right. Starving children in Africa. That gets mentioned as well. Agricultural projects in Africa. He's, he's like a Richard Branson type. He's got his hands in everything. <laughs> sometimes, Space, sometimes farming. He, sometimes he just has to go. Well, in the second movie, he, he buys a publishing company. So also, he can have it all. Okay, so the scene where he and Anna meet, and she's interviewing him, and he's kind of, like, I mean, immediately he's pretty condescending of just, like, what is this question? What is this question? And at first I was like, oh, he's being mean to her. But then I listened to her questions. I'm like, oh, she's geez, awful. Slash, she's doing a really bad job. She was just like, what... Well, she's an English lit major. She's not a. She's basically the student. girl who wrote the Babe.net article about Aziz Ansari. Like, <laughs> she's like, she's like, she's like twenty one years old, like doing a really high profile interview. Right. I'm just like, she, she's like, do you have a hobby? And he's like, what? I'm like, no, I, I think I'm on his side. Like, <laughs> you're taking up his time. You're, do you have a hobby? I wrote the down questions some of her questions. They're, well, they're not even her questions. They're her roommate's questions. Anyway, the whole right. <laughs> her roommate could not look less twenty one if she tried. This anyways. <laughs> 
So she, you know, they have this sort of awkward encounter where she doesn't do a very good job interviewing him. But he's mysterious. He's brooding. He's hot. And there's just an immediate maybe... spark. Well, wait. <laughs> do y'all think there's supposed to be? In the script, there was yeah. written that they had an immediate spark. <laughs> do y'all think that Jamie Dornan is hot? Um, I, I, I can't. I can't. I'm not sure. For me, it's his eyes. They're dead. They're dead. Which They're makes him guys. very, very good in the show The Fall. Because uh, he, he plays a serial killer. And I'm actually, oh, and this is okay. super fucked up to say, but I'm kind of attracted to him in The Fall. Mm-hmm. And he's literally a serial killer and a rapist. <laughs> guys, there's a lot to unpack there. Oh. That's a separate <laughs> podcast I that wa- I do with my therapist. <laughs> Should um, I watch The Fall? The I Fall is excellent. Good. It's really, so good. And Jillian like Anderson is so good in it. Oh, nice. All right. Well, anyway, it's, I wish I hadn't said that. But no, um, I can people who have seen The Fall will understand. <laughs> You've seen it. I haven't. Well, oh, okay. and there's also just like the, the whole serial killer thing. We've all been there. For me, it's Durst. I'm a Durst gal myself. Well, you're not Richard attracted Durst? to him, are Robert you? Durst. Fre- Robert Durst. Sorry. Robert Durst. Fred Durst. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, what? I'm the leads. I want a Robert. raw dog, the lead the, singer of Lip Biscuit. I, I, I killed them all. Like that I guy? I killed them Thanks. all, of course. Yeah. You're attracted to him. I don't know if I am attracted to him or if I want to the... swaddle him like a baby mm, and yeah. carry him around. There's, it's okay to be titillated by things that are taboo. Exactly. Except- Otherwise, shows about murder and serial killers would not be on the air. Apparently, mm. Jamie Dornan has uh, cornered that market. But in for Christian Grey, <laughs> yeah, there's just something. Every time there's moments where it's like he's registering with me as a person who's hot, but I, I'm not like attracted to him. Mm-hmm. Anyways, everyone's mm-hmm. going to feel different. Sure, exactly. So mm-hmm. um, they Should are... Should played by Alfred Molina. <laughs> for your consideration... Fifty Shades of Grey, where Alfred Molina plays Christian Grey. We all have our own Christian Grey. Sure. Jamie Dornan, I there. It's the it is the eyes. He's dead in the eyes. Yeah. Not to bring down a fellow Jamie. I know. Jamie on Jamie violence is <laughs> really rampant in the Jamie community. Not good. I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, it's okay. So these two characters, Anastasia Steele and Christian Grey, are meant to be having a spark. So they have this kind of awkward interview, and she's like, oh, what was that all about? Anastasia? Christian? She's like, all hot and... Yeah. Yeah. There's this moment at the elevator, and then she walks outside, and it's like pouring rain, and then she like like, whips her head back, and she's like, holy cow. The horny rain is... (laughs) I really liked the horny rain. So she's about to carry on with her life until Christian Gray shows up again at her work in the hardware store, and he's like, I need a bunch of rope and tape. And all these cable ties, cable ties. And she's like, what's happening? Why are you here? Because at this point, she's living in Portland and he's in Seattle. So he like traveled all this way to stalk her. And yeah, which is one of the many Twilight parallels Mm -hmm. early in this movie that it's like, okay, we know where the first act is completely mapped. (laughs) Twilight. So he's like, let's go get coffee. And then they're like chatting and she's like, yeah, I, I'm an English lit major. I like romance. And he's like, oh, never mind. I'm not into romance. But then, like, there's still something <laughs> Which is about funny, her. Which funny, because when he said that, I thought he was going to be like, oh, never mind. I'm not into college students. <laughs> <laughs> but that is not a problem for mm-hmm. him. Not no. a problem. Well, she was about to graduate. So she's probably 20. 22. We said, I said 21 earlier, but she's probably 22, She's probably 22. Old, yeah. 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 So the, he's drawn to her. She's drawn to him. But there's something... There's just a little something that seems to be keeping them apart, and we don't know what it is. Is he a vampire? Is it the distance between Portland and Seattle? (laughs) (laughs) Unclear. (laughs) 
he's like, oh, it's it's bad idea for you to hang out with me, but I can't stay away from you. Then one night she gets like really drunk and he like shows up at where she is. She did not tell him where she was, but he somehow oh, knows. Oh, did she not tell him? He uses, no. Oh, he yeah. Uses this his, is my main, oh, I'll, I'll save it. But we'll get yeah, into it. Yeah, but yeah. Like, I, I guess he uses his telecommunications empire to figure out where she is. And then uh, he shows up. And then he they spend the night together because he kind of like takes care of her and like okay all this and stuff. every detail of that is dark where she wakes up the next morning and she's just like did you undress me and he's like yeah obviously. I had no choice I had no choice you were did covered you? in vomit right he was very shame he was shaming her yeah he he, he was barfy and then <laughs> and also she didn't ask him to do anything mm-hmm. and also she wasn't even like if every time I threw up. As a 22-year-old at a bar, it's just, it, it was all just such a weird overreaction. And then he was like, yeah, obviously I slept next to you. And I mean, realistically, I think we should really apply the Steve Buscemi test here, <laughs> where you replace the mm-hmm. hot male lead with Steve Buscemi and f- see if it's serial killer behavior. And that absolutely is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, every almost every single thing he does is yeah. Replace him with Steve Buscemi, and, and yeah. it's call the cops. Mm-hmm. So they start to sort of develop this romance, but he's like, "I have to tell you something," and then he shows her his room, his playroom. He calls it his dark, expensive room. It's revealed that he is into BDSM. Now she is still a virgin at this point. She's never had sex. She's never really had any sort of sexual encounters. That's Very another, important thing to remember. That's mm-hmm. another. Yeah, that's another thing that really bugs me about. Whatever. Yes. I mean, we'll get into it. We'll but it really <laughs> bothers me. He's like, if you're gonna do this, and you can leave at any time, but right. if you consent to entering into this type of relationship, here are the sort of conditions. He sort of like, you're gonna move in for the weekends. There's literally a contract. Gonna, yeah, yeah. There's a, he draws up this whole. He makes her sign an, an non-disclosure agreement first, and then he. <laughs> I want to start doing. She that. is just like <laughs> drowning in red flags at this point. <laughs> right, she's <laughs> <literally> like suffocated <laughs> by. <it. laughs> That's why she speaks so softly. <laughs> and then, yeah, so then he shows her the room and she's like, whoa, I don't know about this. Uh, this is all new to me. A whole new world. And then let's see how many Disney songs I can sing in this episode. <laughs> um, and then he's like, we will agree to everything that might happen ahead of time. There's going to be like, I need your written consent. Da, da, da. So they he draws up this contract and then there's this actually what I think is a pretty fun scene where they negotiate the terms of the contract. Oh, I, I liked that scene. Saying like what she's will, willing and not willing to do in the meantime there's like she has sex with him for the first time in a non there's no bondage or there's no so manipulative the way that he does i mean like the whole central relationship issue here that i feel like probably misrepresents bdsm relationships in general is like one is kinky the other just wants a regular relationship can they make it work and at every point in the movie it kind of seems like no they can't she Mm -hmm. really does just want a normal relationship and he really doesn't so Part ways. But we do see her consenting for the most part to the things that he does. Yeah. So then the movie, sort of the big climactic moment is when she's like, I don't really understand why this needs to be part of our relationship. Like, why do you want to punish me? This isn't really what I want. Because part of, like, sort of the terms of the contract is that, like, there are these rules. Um, If she obeys them, she will be rewarded. If she disobeys them, she will be punished. 
really unsexy climactic scene to this movie. Well, yeah, because then, so oh, she she's yeah. still trying to gain an understanding of why he needs this or what is, what about this is fulfilling to him and because she's not really feeling the same way. And then she mm-hmm. says something like, I need to see how far this can go. Like, I need to see what the limits of this are. And then there's a scene where he strikes her with a flogging device. I don't know the terms. Mm. Six times. And she's crying. And it's a a full on whip in that part. Okay. And this greatly upsets her. And she is basically just like, don't fucking touch me. This is over. Gotta go. I'm out. And that is pretty much the end of the movie. Wait, you left. I probably left some. You left out the where the elevator doors start to close, and he (gasps) goes, "Anna, Anna," and she goes, "Kristen." Kristen. And the doors shut. Another emotionless delivery of names. End of the movie. Yeah, (laughs) it was cut to black. You really do have to see all three. I okay. Think, to understand this story. Okay. Okay. I, this I will poorly be. constructed story. <laughs> so I've seen one. Caitlin's seen two. Sarah's seen three. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Well, let's well, get, get into there. it. Okay. <sighs> so for me, I, and I was telling Caitlin this on the way over. I mean, before we get into the sub 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 categories. Wait. When you said sub sub sub, did you mean subcategory about subs? Oh my God! No. Okay, <laughs> go on. The, there, but but another term that we'll have to. Okay, for me, if the franchise ends at the end of movie one, I almost think it's like for all of its problems, kind of an interesting story. Because what I was expecting going into this, because I didn't really, I know what happens up until the scene in the hardware store, because that's where the writing got too bad, and I had to stop reading my mom's book, and also I was like. I'm reading my mom's crusty cum book. Like, I don't want to anymore. <laughs> so I stopped reading it. So after that, I didn't know what happened. And as a protagonist, Anastasia does undergo a pretty, like, significant arc, I thought, where, you know, she's whatever, 22, 23. Like, she's a virgin at the beginning of the story mm-hmm. and gets into this pretty sus relationship i think we're and talking the fourth time she has sex she's being whipped mm-hmm. exactly like i can't imagine like, third that. time i mean like it's so very early unbelievable on. Like, it's a steep curve and i don't want to spoil anything and i don't think i am because like i think everyone knows the third one they get married because yeah. like at the end of the second one they're it's on the poster they, yeah yeah. I mean, yeah mrs gray mrs. um <laughs> okay so i am not joking when i tell you that the entire trilogy is maybe eight weeks of time. Whoa. No I am kidding. They even say in the, and there's a point in the third movie where they go, well, that happened three weeks ago. And the it was like something movie? from the second movie. Oh my God. And I was like, oh my God, this won't, this character goes from college student virgin to Mrs. I don't Gray? Wanna, I don't want to give away Dungeon more Master? than Mrs. Gray. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So from the point that they so, meet in the first movie and book to I'm the end maybe, of the I don't third? know about the book, but in the movies, it's like eight weeks of wow. time. It is so crazy. So like from <laughs> her graduation to like the next September. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> it's That's... really weird. And it's the Pacific Northwest, so you can't tell seasons. You know, you're just like, <laughs> it's, it's raining. I yeah. kept projecting like horny Fraser into all the Seattle scenes. <laughs> but, uh, but in terms of like, if the franchise ends at the end of the first movie, for me, she gets into this relationship. It escalates very quickly. Mm-hmm. She is in many ways sort of empowered by BDSM and learning how to say no and set boundaries where she's very meek at the beginning and uses that new knowledge to break off this harmful relationship Mm -hmm. 
end of movie. If it ends right there, I'm almost like, that's kind of an interesting story. Not, you know, artfully told, but an interesting <laughs> story. But everyone knows that it does not stop there. So, right. But if it, in the, you know, Devil's Advocate, if it ends at the first movie... And she just moves on with her life with like, wow, what a weird time. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. I'm 22. You know, like, yeah. I thought kind of interesting. Well, okay. Let me start by saying one of the reasons I'm dreading this episode is because You're I feel like I'm a virgin. <laughs> I only saw a movie in the theater for the first time three years ago, and I have never had sex. Mm. No, the reason I'm dreading this is I, I think I'm going to accidentally misspeak or just say some things that sound kind of kink-shaming, and I don't want to yeah. do that. I'm coming at this topic of BDSM from an outsider. I don't have any experience in a relationship of that nature, and I'm having issues digesting it as a relationship dynamic. Since mm -hmm. I've spoken to some people, I've gained a better understanding of it, and I feel a little bit differently, but to me at first, before I spoke to anyone about it, and especially pretty much my entry into this type of thing, aside from going to the Museum of Sex in New York City several times and like <laughs> reading some stuff there, mm -hmm. I didn't know that much about BDSM. So to me, from an outsider's perspective, I was looking at a dom-sub relationship, especially one that is a male dom and a female sub. Mm -hmm. And to me, that just looked like sort of a very heightened version of what society's expectations are of men and women and yeah. how men are expected to be the dominant powerful ones and women are expected to be submissive obedient people and i was having a just a difficult time accepting that as a thing cuz i was like well how could that be empowering to anyone and what like it just i was you know just really struggling with that and also this is me i'm coming from a place where my tastes in sex not to get too graphic are extremely vanilla. Um, I'm so boring. I like very boring sex. I Don't sex um, shame yourself. Boring, boring <laughs> sex works. My kink is extremely boring sex. Um, so <laughs> there's not really anything about BDSM that appeals to me, and I think that's okay. Just oh, as people yeah. who are into BDSM, that's okay too. But I'm, I was still just like, well, what about how, like, this is, like, submissive women and I want women to be empowered. Like, a lot of what we talk about on this podcast is, like, women who have agency and women who make choices and are strong and empowered and all this stuff. And, mm -hmm. like, that's what I really enjoy. And then to see a relationship dynamic where the woman is submissive and the male is dominant, I was just like, ah. But I've spoken to some people who have experienced BDSM relationships mm -hmm. and they have cleared some things up for me. <laughs> If you would like to yes. hear about it. Okay. Yeah. So I spoke to four people total. Three of them were women who were the sub in a hetero relationship where they had a, a male dom. One of them was a guy, and I wasn't sure if he was a sub in this relationship, but he said that he was in a relationship with a dom. So I don't know if that mm. dynamic played out where he was the sub but he was able to, he answered some questions I had. Okay. So um, the first question I basically asked everyone was, what is it about BDSM that people who are into it find appealing or fulfilling? What do you get out of that type of relationship? I think that's a very complicated question that differs for every person and it's going to be different for everyone. But it seems as though some of the, the common trends that I discovered were it can help people cope with a past traumatic sexual event or yeah. an assault. For subs, it can be enjoyable because they like to feel as though they're taken care of. Um, it also allows them an outlet 
where they don't have to be in control because they might have a lot of like power and responsibility and other aspects of their type stuff life Mm -hmm. so it's like i like to not have to be in control Mm -hmm. of this situation Mm -hmm. similarly um they just like to feel it's like it's freeing to just sort of surrender control and not to have to worry about what to do to like please someone sexually like it's like you just tell me what to do and i'll do it and like i don't have want to have to worry about what to do next or if you're enjoying yourself or whatever so I'm sure this doesn't even begin to like this yeah. is like the tip of the iceberg. Right. There's also like pain stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that like pain is a release. Heightening right. and sexual and pleasure. Is a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Right. So this is again I only spoke to four people. So basically I'm like, okay, so it actually can be empowering to Oh, be in... there's a lot of people who would say the sub actually has more power. Yes. Um, and I, that's another thing I learned. I that... think that's different, but mm-hmm. and it, in movie three there's a moment where you wonder, oh. oh, who really is in control here? Mm. Well, also, um, I learned that subs set all the limits. and Well, we see that kind yes. of in, in the negotiation yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. So I did some inadvertent research for this episode a couple of weeks ago in this very building uh, because comedians Eli Olsberg and Allison Stevenson hosted this show called SSFW where they invited a dom and a sub who work professionally in a dungeon, mm-hmm. uh, a Los Angeles area dungeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, check it out. In the yeah. metropolitan. <laughs> the great yeah, Los yeah. Angeles area. LA metro yeah. dungeon. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, there was like a panel of comedians and then we were just, I mean, it was basically just an open dialogue with, uh, with a dom and a sub who have that relationship personally but also work work in that sector professionally mm-hmm. and it was really enlightening and I, and I super encourage people who have never learned anything about it because this was my first experience just like listening to someone in front of me talk about it openly for an hour mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of a, a cool thing to have happened and based on that you know quote-unquote research as it were it seems like Fifty Shades tries to get it right and does not quite get it right. I feel like there's elements of it. And again, this is, I mean, same same as you. Like, I've never been in a BDSM relationship. I pretty much exclusively fuck magicians and drummers, as I said before. And I have no intention of changing or improving myself. So, uh, and they're notoriously lazy in bed. So, uh, not a BDSM gal. But... From my understanding of it, like there was a lot of talk about how contracts work and how in BDSM relationships, uh, in particular, like communication and like clear and positive communication is so important Mm -hmm. because like the relationship, I mean, every relationship relies on communication, but this one extends to physical safety. Right. And I feel like... And again, we'll feel free to disagree because I I don't have the context for it. But I feel like this movie and franchise kind of conflates like a a kinky BDSM style relationship with an abusive relationship and says like one equals the other when all the research I've read indicates that that is not at all the case. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, and yeah, that's like well, kind of the it's big like criticism, she's right? being introduced to this world that she doesn't know anything about. Right. And she's confused by it and doesn't feel the way he feels, which is this is supposed to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And this is what I want. It's like a, someone who is, I don't know the labels they give themselves, so I apologize if I'm getting it wrong, but like someone who's into BDSM and then someone who's not. Right. Kink versus non-kink or something. Yeah. Um, 
Kink versus virgin. She doesn't know what she is yet. I mean, she might be later, you know, but she doesn't know. And so she's being introduced to it. Some of it she really likes. She's very excited by it. Some of it scares her. And she's getting an education. Like, she's, like, getting a PhD when she, like, just learned how to read. Like, it's just too much. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I can see that. But what they do with the abuse thing, I think, is they give him this backstory that it, like, for him comes from a place of where he was abused. So that's why this type of thing gets him off and makes him feel good and in control. They get more into that in the later movies. But, like, I think for that point, it's, like... That's okay if that's why you're into BDSM, but I just think she's so like, but I want to know why. Why won't you let me touch you? Like, <laughs> right. And like, you know, she just like wants to know why. Why are you into this? And so there's a lot of like darkness put on it. Mm-hmm. Like it's this bad, shameful right. thing. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it shames it a little. But then yeah. the other, the part that really bugs me the most about this movie, other than the timeline part of it, which is just so insane. <laughs> like when I think about what I was like at that age and like I, I lost my virginity when I was 21. Mm-hmm. So I was a, lo- a little later than other, most of my friends. So mm-hmm. I know what it's like to be like a late bloomer on, on some ways. I mean, that's not the latest, but like. It was late for me, mm-hmm. felt late, and I can't imagine <laughs> going to that level that quickly. But one of my biggest issues with it was that while the sexual relationship was actually a pretty straightforward lesson in consent, like I actually think that was correct. I think like the he consent got consent was done well. in the later, in I don't know if it was two or three, because I just watched all of them in the past 24 hours. <laughs> But there's like a moment where she actually uses her safe word. She says red and he immediately stops and like unshackles her or whatever. And like, (laughs) you know, he like fully respects her sexually in that way, even though he does try to wear her down and he does some coercive things. That's yeah. Um, The part that I can't get over, which is the the stalking behavior. Yes. Like and that and the abusive like in keeps playing out where he doesn't want her hanging out with her friends he's isolating these are things that abusers do like they don't want you talking to your friends or family he like knows her bank account numbers he's like stalking her and tracing her phone and like it's so inappropriate and i actually disagree with the steve buscemi thing only in that i don't care how attractive a guy was Mm -hmm. i do think if he was behaving that way or rich or anything there would be enough red flags where i would just be like you're fucking creepy yeah, like, right. even oh, sure. showing up at my work, I don't care who you are. If Brad Pitt did that to me, I would be like, showed up at your no, Brad Pitt, several like, hours you're away, creeping yeah. me out, and the <laughs> illusion is gone. Right? Because I mean, I just don't find that attractive, and so like, and I, I'm always careful to like, even though it is hilarious to think of like a gross, like schlubby guy from accounting doing this stuff. Like that's hilarious, and of course, women are you know, the power dynamic, it wouldn't even matter. Like, like, how do you think Donald Trump gets women? Like, like he managed (laughs) to do it, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it it doesn't matter what they look like. And I, so I'm remiss to like, cause that's an argument you see like from men's rights activists online all the time is like, uh, well, if it was attractive, I could do whatever I wanted. Like, mm-hmm. if a hot guy did this, I could, you know, and it's like, right. no, that's actually not true. But like, by this movie's no logic, one wants to be, like, abused. that does happen, though. Is that but she does, yeah. right. In the movie, that's what the main thing that she I just can't, it. I can't handle that part of it. It's right. like, it's just, and I understand it's a fantasy, but that's not, like, what I would fantasize about. The virginity thing bothers me, <laughs> and it's not even, I mean, you know, she is a consenting adult. I think that consent... I mean, and I've only seen the first movie, but consent seems to be something that really was considered 
very carefully in the way it's represented in this franchise because it I mean it it is so easy to get it wrong movies get it wrong all the fucking time and therefore why in 50% of the movies we've covered on this podcast there's a weird surprise kiss that's mm-hmm. presented as very romantic, oh, romantic. <laughs> so as far as consent goes like I recognize that although she is a virgin she is a consenting adult as well but the, in the scene where she says she's a virgin when she says that, that like visibly increases her value to him. Oh, he, and yeah, he goes, really Where have you been? He, yeah. He gets yeah. so like, like, you know, it's like, boing, 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 boing. like it's so fucking Right. Gross. And I'm like, No, this is where you pump the brakes and make sure she knows what she's getting into. That's the responsible yeah. way to deal with the situation. Yeah. Not being like, Oh, I have to, you know, because that is manipulative behavior. He already knows at this point that she does not know anything about BDSM and is interested in a traditional relationship. Like he knows that. Mm-hmm. And so what he does to get her into this BDSM relationship is give her a taste of what a traditional relationship might be like and takes her virginity. And I just, that really bothered me. That felt like Especially such a big tr- like trespassing of like someone who just like doesn't know yet its values. Right. Sucks. And especially because that scene where, like, he's about to take her virginity, if you will, he's like, we need to change this situation. She's like, oh, it's I'm a situation, am I? But, like, because they had already talked about consent and how important that is, but then he he isn't like, well, can I have sex with you? Like, I don't know, it's just weird. He's no, like, I'm going to take you into the room and I, you don't even bar- know what's going to happen. He buries the lead in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. I think, where he starts... He says, I've done this with 500 other women or whatever. Like, he, I think he's, 15. he says 15 in this exact same situation. So he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he's an adult. And and he knows what she doesn't know. And I just, the way that she enters this relationship seems to, it just puts her at such a big disadvantage. And oh, I mean, well, I just, mean, it just, and then oh, the like total so control he has by buying in the movie two, he buys the company she works for. And it's like, hmm. yeah, you know, like, I think there's just so much control. It actually makes me not buy him as a dom. I'm kind of like, he's mm. in so much control in his life. You would think that in his private life, he'd be a sub. Mm. Interesting. But he was a sub. He says he was a sub in his first yeah. BDSM relationship, right. which was rape because it was an right. adult woman with a 15-year-old boy, which she, Anastasia calls out multiple times yeah. in the, she in the trilogy. She's like, she's you were abused. Child predator. Yeah, yeah. That comes out. Uh, yeah. So when I first saw it, I was like, I fucking hated that movie. It was just like watching someone being raped and beaten. You know, and then by the third one, I was kind of like, I understand what they're trying to do here. And it is a fantasy. Mm-hmm. And there were parts of it that I was like kind of caught up in. I mean, you know, they're, they're, the sex scenes to me weren't that titillating, although there were a couple mm-hmm. moments where I was like, damn. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like when the one where he first of all, he breaks and enters into her apartment and shows yes like edward collins so Mm -hmm. twilight moment unacceptable yeah (laughs) i don't care who you are um yeah no not okay i don't even if you were brad pitt i'd be like brad pitt get the fuck out of my apartment so he he shows up in her apartment and he like fucks her on the bed and that part i did i was like damn i might have to (laughs) pause the movie (laughs) um (laughs) like because he like pulls up her shirt and uses it as, as a, a blindfold. blindfold, and I was like, "Oh my god, that is that's good." <laughs> I, I mean, you can tell he's good at fucking. Like, there's no question. His de- him and his dead eyes are. <laughs> yeah, he's he's mechanical about it. Like he's a yeah, robot. Like yeah. you you will come, which is kind of hot. Multiple times, although in the mo- first movie she doesn't come. She does not come. We don't see her come. Yeah, which I find because I was waiting. There were also so much pubes in these movies. 
Like, you see a lot of people. They go so close to seeing dick and vag. Like, they really, and I appreciated that. I wrote, <laughs> I wrote down nice pubes, Dornan, and it's genuinely what I felt. <laughs> She's got pubes, too. She's got pubes. Yeah. She, yeah. She's got a yeah. little strap. Yeah. Well, to the point that was brought up earlier, that it has the same problem that we see in Twilight, where like he is stalking her, he's being a, like a predator, he's showing up at her work, he's being very good. Well, yeah. Okay, so before I say that, I asked the people who I was talking to, I said, does the dom-sub component of your relationship carry over into other parts of your relationship, mm-hmm. not just like in the bedroom for sexual encounters? And different people had different answers, so I think it, it probably it varies widely. So I was curious, okay, is him being controlling of her just an extension of him being a dom? Right. But then I was like, I just, I simply can't accept that because he, he is being very predatory. And, yeah. and it's, but it's framed as being romantic. She's like, ooh, he's showing up at my work and well, he traveled all this way to see me. My, my thing is that it's one thing if she agrees to all of that, but she never signs she never contract. signs the contract. Right. So if she signs the contract and that behavior is happening and that behavior is in the contract, then, okay, you need to schedule a follow-up meeting with this guy. But I, I think there's a reason it. for that after seeing all three. I think the okay. reason is is because he is changing, too. They're mm. meeting in the middle somehow, and you find you find that they're trying to find a way to do the sex the way he wants to do it in a way that she's comfortable with and then in exchange and you see that even happen in the contract negotiation right. where she gets a little bit of the girlfriend experience in exchange yeah. and so you see him breaking his own rules because so he's like I'll sweeten the deal I think we that, can do a date right. I think that's the reason the contract saying, never got signed yeah. um, don't bite your lip right <laughs> like turn that, around <laughs> I can't see it or I'm gonna nut Old, right dead, old dead eyes Dornan's like don't bite that lip don't bite that lip I, I don't want to come yet I don't want to come I'm not well, ready. also they he's behaving that way long before it's ever agreed upon that they're going to enter a BDSM that's style relationship thing. yeah that oh, yeah, too no, so that's I think what the big problem is for me one moment that I was like now this is just crazy is where he's buckling her into the helicopter. So Ooh, sort of like foreshadowing of him yeah. buckling her up. <laughs> but I was like, the way it's done is very much like um, the similar mechanism of a baby of a car seat where you have to Ooh, pull it yeah. tight. And that made me once again, like underscore something else that I kind of found interesting about the movie is that it's so childlike in the telling. And I'm so curious about right. E.L. James's sex life, like the writer of the book of mm. like that she's mm-hmm. like never done anything other than missionary she's I'm been... stunted and like I would even there were moments where I was like this movie reminds me of The Room yeah. where <laughs> Tommy Wiseau in The Room clearly had this childlike perception of relationship of sex mm. of like movies and like this is how I'm going to portray it and I felt this felt the same thing about Fifty Shades of Grey which is like very childish like a lot of real world problems just sort of melted away I don't know. Just maybe it's from having heard a lot of erotic writing yeah. that was just more grown up and more mature and more really about the characters and in the moment what what it means. And like this just felt sort of like an immature view of what BDSM and, and kink would be. Uh, someone sure. like E.L. James, in my mind, probably had never done any of this sex stuff and just fantasized about it, mm. imagined it. Right. I don't think she I, – but I could be wrong. For me – 
The movie Secretary, if you've ever seen that movie, is have, an incredible portrayal it. of a BDSM relationship. And mm-hmm. like, and it's disturbing. It was my first real introduction to that type of relationship and portrayed on screen for mm-hmm. sure. And I was really like, oh, it's way more complicated than I thought. Mm-hmm. It actually, to me, was an, a beautiful love story. So I highly recommend watching that movie because it's portraying this type of sub-dom relationship in a way that is really raw and real and, like, in the end, very touching. Like, you know, Uh, it's very it goes to really fucked up places. But you 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 understand the commitment and the bond between them and that this is what these two people love and enjoy about each other. Their dynamic Mm -hmm. is everything. Now, it's there is some weirdness in that the fact that he's her boss but but uh <laughs> he finds his match she finds her match okay, in it, and right. it's yeah. kind of like incredible I've, which I've i think another problem i have with this movie is that the power dynamic and i'm sort of speculating here but i would imagine that in a healthy bdsm relationship mm-hmm. the power dynamic is still pretty equal and even though it might seem as though one is more dominant and one is more submissive because the sub is setting the limits and calling the shots and, and feeling liberated and all this stuff. And the dom is basically doing only what the submissive will allow. Right. I would imagine that there's still a pretty equal power balance struck. One thing that the professional dom subs that I heard speak really made a big emphasis on something that I, I noticed was not done in this movie was like after the playroom stuff is done that it's like very important to have like together time and like mm-hmm. cool down time and like i mean spooning basically like yeah, after like, sex yeah. and yeah. and just you know it's like you've had this cathartic experience and you've come to it in whatever way you've come to it uh, consensually but afterwards it's like okay now we're just people and we're together and we care about each other and we don't see that here and and there's one scene in particular where they they don't go full i mean but he he spanks her the night of her graduation Mm -hmm. and then bails Mm, and she's upset yeah and it's like yeah of course she's upset she's you know she's like still not fully understanding what's happening and then Mm -hmm. and then he disappears before there's any actual that's just like shitty 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 dude behavior i would have called i would have oh god i'm like i i was trying to imagine what that conversation with my mom would have been like i would just like i don't know (laughs) and then went back to work i don't understand (laughs) that's what i'm saying like i think there's he's exerting much more power over her and there is a, a a very big power imbalance in their relationship whereas yeah. it, he seems like he well, there's because, a lot of it's unspoken it's like a threat there's a, she's mm-hmm. literally there's a point in the third movie where she has to like sneak out of her own home mm. because he has security on her oh. and it's just like that's so scary. and there's a reason for it that isn't his fault but like it, it's just there's constant reminders throughout that this man has total control over your life and even right. if you tried to get away from him he would find you that's abuse. I mean, that's like, right. You know, that's the worst nightmare for any woman to not feel that she could come and go if she pleases. Now, the whole time she's Anastasia is like constantly bucking his attempts to control her completely. You don't own right. me. Uh, I'll do what I want. And he's like, well, then I'll punish you. And she's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's this weird dynamic they're figuring out, I guess. But it, the fact that it, it all happened so quickly is just bizarre. Yeah, there, there's like a, I think that a very easy story fix, I mean, of the million story fixes available <laughs> to this franchise, 
is the only example of someone very into BDSM that we see in the first movie anyways is Christian Grey. So Mm -hmm. everything we see about BDSM is through his experience specifically, and that's all we have. Mm -hmm. So even if he comes to BDSM in a specific way that could happen in real life, which is that he has a past history of abuse, he is, outside of being into BDSM, a manipulative and controlling person. Mm -hmm. That's one thing, but there's no counterexample to show the audience that that's not necessarily what a BDSM relationship is or even what is normal. And so where everything, like we only see one person who represents this entire community and it is directly connected to like, oh yeah, fucked up behavior kind of does tie into BDSM the way this movie presents it. Like, Yeah, that's a bummer that so many regular Americans, this is their introduction and then walk away from it going... Right, because the movie. Oh, that's the, what that is. It's the, just it's right. just a couple. Uh, you, you just tie her up and you spank her a little bit, and that that's because they never actually. That was I actually was disappointed. They never actually did some hardcore BDSM type like no. yes master like yeah. You I know, heard that it's pretty tame. Sit down, to what like it could you know. Be. Oh God, yeah. I yeah. Mean, the the co- contract negotiation scene is the only time that you really get a glimpse into like what could really be going on. And, What's like, a butt plug? Jenna does what a great. Line Although right. movie three, wait, in movie three they do do some more advanced stuff. I, I remember <laughs> okay. that now. It, okay. it gets more advanced. She's letting him do some, okay, uh, some more tools are added to the situation. Well, back to the point that was made a little bit earlier that like so he was abused as a very young child, and I think we're meant to believe that that maybe informs part of why he is now into BDSM. But the movie frames right. this as like something that he needs to be cured of or fixed or that like yeah. his right. his fetish Brokenness. for this yeah is a result. Yeah. But like but as we discussed, like the several people I talked about were like, yes, BDSM can actually be a great way to cope with an assault or past mm-hmm. abuse or something like that. Absolutely, yeah. But the fact that the movie frames it like he needs to be cured of this fetish that he has and mm-hmm. there's other ways for him to so like that's that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. Right. Cause, yeah, because like the subtext there is like, oh, a functioning person in society would not have this interest because he's the only person that we have to mm-hmm. go on. Can I say, though, that this movie is directed by a woman. The screenplay is adapted by a woman, adapted from a book written by a woman. It's um, based on a book written by a different woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, right. Stephanie Meyer. Yeah. So I think that because... So many women are involved in the main sort of storytelling components. I think we saw a different movie than we would have seen if these oh, hell people yeah. were oh, men. I've, First of all, how many times does he eat her out? Yes. A lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. That would Fair. never would have happened <laughs> if men were involved. There's yeah. a lot of emphasis on her. Like, her face, her pleasure, and, and I understand that sometimes people have a problem with that when they're, when they're like, you know, well, now it's men or now we're all the male gaze upon her body and da da da. And so there's <laughs> a little bit of that going on, but there was definitely like, I mean, there in the third movie he uses a vibrator on her, mm-hmm. and it occurred to me this is truly the first time I've ever seen a vibrator depicted in a movie that wasn't an opportunity to shame a woman. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any scene with a vibrator yeah. that wasn't a punch where the line, woman basically. was being? Made fun of because she was using a vibrator because she was old or a mom or getting caught with it. Right. It's almost always like, like a it's, joke or it's like a joke. Oh, look or, at, yeah. yeah it's like she's you, got a vibrator. Yeah. You loser. You know, it's always 
depicted in a way that's mm-hmm. meant to make the woman mm-hmm. feel bad for having to, having to use it. I'm right. Like, it is, to me, as a vibrator enthusiast, mm-hmm. it is to me a godsend. Aliens sent it to us. They look <laughs> like they look like little alien designs, like little spaceships. Oh yeah, and they take you to space. Yeah, <laughs> and they're they're the best. I mean, like, and they should be used. I love that he used it. It's part of his playroom. Like, mm-hmm. I liked that they were showing things that had to do with female pleasure, and not in a shameful way. That were like, you know, this is like these are tools. You know, that you mm-hmm. can all use to, like, make each other feel mm-hmm. good that aren't just about the man coming. Right. Like, in that part, I was like, okay, that's, a, to me, evidence of women are behind this yeah. story in this movie. Because you know? there's a, I think as that, much of an emphasis on her pleasure, experiencing pleasure from this type of relationship right. as there is for him experiencing Oh, you pleasure. don't even see him really... We don't see him that much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He, it's all about him making her feel good. And like, you know, now the question is like, what makes her feel good makes him feel good. And then those lines, you know, pushing boundaries and all those things. All Mm -hmm. 50 shades of gray, you know? There, I mean, yeah, this, this, like, this movie, like, opened such an intense, like, polarizing dialogue. But I think, yeah, I, I can't imagine the subject of consent being dealt with. I think pretty universally well without this many women involved, like mm-hmm. involved in high right. roles. Well, yeah. uh, to me, there are three main takeaways from this movie that are very positive. One is the emphasis on female pleasure and it being framed is a thing that not only exists because most media ignores it altogether, but it is also something that is important and that should be strived for. The second thing is female nudity and it making sense for the context of the story because so many movies will have a naked woman or you see a woman's breast and it has nothing to do with the story. Like an example that comes to mind is like in Die Hard, there's this like a a topless woman who had been having sex in a room during the Christmas party and then like the terrorists come in and like yank her out. But it's like, why is that in the movie? It has nothing to do with the story. It's just, it was an excuse to put a- Great example of random titties titties. in the movie. Right. Yeah. At least in this movie- we do see a lot of female nudity, but it makes sense because this is what the story is about. It's yeah. about sex. Yeah. Right. You would be really, it, it would just make no sense. I mean, to and, not show it <laughs> or yeah, to like Dakota, try to. Dakota Johnson, I mean, give it up for her for like truly being so naked for so long in all three of those movies. I yeah. mean, yeah. like, it's a choice she made. I And I think she comes out on top, in my opinion. Like, think about all the different ways women are naked in movies. At least in these movies, it's because she's like getting hers. You yeah, know? right. <laughs> well, it, yeah, most movies, it's just female gratuitous. nudity for no, yeah. absolutely yeah. no reason. And it's through a very male gaze and very objectifying, mm-hmm. you know, that's not the way we want to see things. The third thing that I think is a great takeaway from this movie, which we've already talked about, is the emphasis on consent. Mm-hmm. It gets talked yeah. about a lot. Most movies don't even mention the word or even acknowledge it as it being a concept. Yeah. Um, as we, yeah, like Jamie, you said, there's a surprise kiss in every other movie that we talk there's about. There's no surprise kiss in this no movie. No surprise kisses. A few lines that I wrote down him saying it's important to know that you can leave at any time i do this with women women who want me to um yeah we have to be honest with each other for this to work i won't do anything until i have your written consent like yeah that's emphasis on it and it doesn't i don't come i was worried when it first came out that it was going to be all about oh people are going to think this is what women like an everyday woman who's you know dudes are going to think that they can just go to town but it wasn't portrayed that way at all you know, I've had my own experiences of like dudes 
doing things without even asking first and it's just like oh my dear god yeah. why did you think that that was acceptable like uh-huh. in any universe you know and there's all this you know the disease story i think is interesting in that it brought up all these questions about consent and like mm-hmm. that it's twofold one is like what is porn doing that people are watching this porn that's really mm-hmm. really pretty borderline violent and like a lot of choking mm-hmm. and like I would call it skull fucking (laughs) like (laughs) we're like a guy is just literally fucking a girl's head and you know, she looks like she's dying in it and you're, and that's what people are watching and like they're becoming desensitized to more vanilla stuff and wanting this more taboo stuff and they go and hook up with somebody and there's a different perhaps perception. Like, I don't watch porn. I, I can't watch it because I can't stop thinking about the production. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I can't get into it because I'm just like, where's the, like, God, who's, I even do that a little with, like, even with Fifty Shades. I'd be like, oh, man, how many times do they have to take that part? Yeah. Like, yes, like does this breath smell? Like, <laughs> like, like, God, how awkward was that? Like, like and the what do they just, talk about when they're not? <laughs> that could just be a symptom of being in the business and thinking about shoots and things. Like, sure. But porn just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. Um, I also think there should be like a disclaimer on every porn video that's just like, please do not try this at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Truly. But like, porn, unless you have so, your partner's, it's like jackass consent. in that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen a yeah. little bit of porn and I've seen stuff that like more recent stuff. Like, I watched a couple of James Dean videos. Oh, and okay. I was really disturbed. And people were like, oh, he's the feminist one. This is before he had his like, you know, outing as a okay. gross he's dude. A, he's a rapist. And yes. I was like kind of shocked. I was like, oh, this is what people are into. And, you know, I've seen it. I mean, I've worked on shows where they like pull up porn on, you know, for some, for research or something. That's mm-hmm. uh, questionable. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, you have seen stuff and I thought, oh, my God, like my perception of what is acceptable is so far off of like. So when, when you enter into a hookup with somebody, even if you think you know that person, like you don't know what they've been watching. Mm-hmm. And I just wondered, like, what is porn doing to young men Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then the second piece of the Aziz thing that like I thought about while watching Fifty Shades all the way through again was Christian Grey like you said clearly cares about her feelings Mm -hmm. at every step of the way now we can argue there's points where it's like oh he completely just dismissed her signal of like hey I don't want you showing up at my work Mm -hmm. Um, and he's like I will (laughs) Um, there's those kinds of things but sexually, he, like, is very concerned about her feelings. And that was my thing of, like, no matter how you read the Aziz story, you can't deny the fact that he did not care about her feelings in that. Yeah. And at what point, you know, people, when people go, oh, technically, I didn't see any laws broken. And it's like, oh, that's right. a horrible are you getting out a legal a library sexual... every time yeah. you have sex? Like, do you not, at what point do you give a shit about the other person? Right. And, like, right. check in with them. Hey, is this right. okay? Like, are you enjoying like, yourself? The whole, I saw a tweet that was, like, the whole, like, oh, uh, she was just like a, it was just like fucking a dead body like ugh, she just laid there and it's like maybe she didn't like it and right. you ignored that and yeah. it's like say anything They're, yeah <laughs> yeah anyway i my uh, one thing that i i mean we've we've touched on it this whole this whole thing that the main thing for me is just like making sure and this pro- this probably doesn't happen for like someone who is like a mom who's coming into this all of this for the first time is making sure that it's it's okay to have an abusive relationship depicted on screen right but but they do not do a good job of separating what is a 
BDSM mm-hmm. behavior from what is an abusive behavior. Yeah. It's lumped in as mm-hmm. all the same thing. Yeah. So the things that we see over and over are the stalking behaviors. That's not kinky. Stalking someone yeah, isn't just, kinky. Yeah. Showing up at their mom's place is not kinky. In Georgia. Unless right. that's something they've previously agreed upon, which, it, which they in this have movie, not. They haven't. Yeah. Right. Controlling someone's actions without their consent is not kinky. Baiting someone with sort of genuine but mostly not genuine intimacy just because you know that that will keep them coming back without their consent is not kinky. And that is, it's all so globbed up into the one character who's interested in BDSM in the entire movie Mm -hmm. that those lines aren't drawn. And I, like, it, it sucks because it's like there are... There are way more positive takeaways from this movie than I ever would have imagined. Mm-hmm. And I really, yeah. and, and for all, and I have like a short list of all the ways that this movie is exactly like Twilight, down to like girl interested in books, never sex before. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> which yeah. is. And she it, trips sometimes because she's clumsy. But I, but I like, I like she needs Anastasia. She's scooped up and saved. Mm. Yeah. But I like Anastasia. She's like, She's I like a, her better than Bella Swan. Yeah, I did. I mean, but she's like, I, I've, she's I, older. <laughs> she's less I of under, an annoying teenager. Yeah, I understand. Like, you know, she she's like, you know, whatever woman in her early twenties who doesn't know that much, but she is a more active character than I thought she was going to be. Advocates for herself more than I thought she would. Calls him out more than I thought she would. Mm-hmm. And yeah. ultimately sets the boundary and is like, you know, fuck mm-hmm. off for now. Yeah. So I just I wish that this movie for all the good stuff it does with like consent and bringing a relationship like this into the mainstream it doesn't do a good job with saying like okay this is how this BDSM relationship works but don't think that in the second and third by the third they've kind of moved away from is it a BDSM relationship is it not they've kind of moved away from that and they're mm-hmm. into there's other like very melodramatic stuff happening okay. um, that's like more outside factors are now affecting their lives like you know like stalkers and the Volturi um, yeah real enemies <laughs> yeah definitely like there's yeah I found myself at moments during the third movie being like oh man I really wish a, a rich man would just come take me away well, that's the other thing you know. is, is portraying BDSM as this very cosmopolitan rich boy thing, too. Oh, um, yeah. It, which I thought was kind of funny. It's just like, I'm into kinky stuff and me have a helicopter and now you get a car. And I wrote down, I want a sex laptop. Where's my sex laptop? <laughs> Give me my free sex laptop. Right. At one point during the third movie, they get into a private jet and she's like, you own this? And I'm like, bitch, have you not paid it? He yeah. has all the vehicles. Well, they do don't like He does every boat. single vehicle. It's only been eight weeks, so. Yeah. Oh, right. She does. She's still, been... like, impressed. Yeah. She's like, holy cow. Yeah, we're seeing um, their, like, halo period. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but as someone who grew up secretly watching real sex on HBO Ooh. late at night, as mm-hmm. quiet as I could while still <laughs> hearing it, I already knew going into this movie that kink has nothing to do with class or attractiveness because real sex featured some very everyday average looking people yeah. doing very kinky stuff hmm. and, and to the point That's where it was show. like kind of hilarious yeah. <laughs> anyway love real sex <laughs> that's where I got my education about Great. sex can I run down the ways in which E.L. James lifts directly from Twilight yeah. in yeah. the first movie alone okay so protagonist girl who read virgin there is a character who's like the boy who's around who has a crush on her who's like wait you don't have a crush on me back i'm furious and then he gets hit 
shitty mom who doesn't show up to important life events because of her most recent husband, which we <laughs> see in Twilight with Bella's mom and her bad engaged minor league baseball boyfriend. That she's like, sorry, hun, can't make your high school graduation. My boyfriend's in the batting cage, and I don't want to seem unsupportive. <laughs> and that, yeah, mom, mom being such a romantic that she's basically handicapped at being a good parent. Oh, even though the very hot, intelligent female protagonist, she's a little bit quiet, but somehow every man that comes into contact with her, in love with her, obsessed with her, can't Mm. get over it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's just something special. Right. There's just something about you. And it's like she has not said anything other than she's read a a book. The piano scene. Literally the piano piano scene. Same exact thing as Twilight. Oh, wait till the third movie, there, Fifty Shades. Oh, There's no. a piano scene that's like, oh, what the fuck? Like, we didn't know <laughs> the whole time. Oh, and then the weirdly close, wealthy family dynamic. Yes. yes. That whole I scene with that. the family it was like, oh, this is kind of like Edward Cullen's very close, creepy, mm-hmm. so close it's creepy family where Marsha Gay Harden's like, who's this? What's this? Also, shout out Marsha Gay Harden. Oh, really phenomenal. enjoyed her presence yeah. in this movie. Yeah. And she she knows exactly what movie she's in. Yes. Mm-hmm. So good. So And Pacific Northwest. Lit, right. Like, yeah, like, they're Washington. like, let's not relocate it. Right. Yes. <laughs> Same location. So, yeah, if, if there was any doubt that you were Shout out watching, to your favorite movie, Doubt. Sh- mm-hmm. If there were any doubt, 2008, an actor's <laughs> film, John Patrick Shanley, uh, <laughs> that this was based on Twilight originally. I mean, the flags it's are everywhere. Obvious. Replace vampires with kink. Yeah. Because Edward Cullen's a fucking stalker, too. Yep, exactly. Uh, The only other, we haven't, we've mentioned her once, but I don't even know if we mentioned her by name. The other female character in her roommate? Kate. Kate. Yeah. Kate's weird. Kate, there's a very uncanny valley quality about Kate because she's there to ask questions. Very weird B story about Kate in the third movie. That's like, mm. this wasn't necessary. At all. Kate hangs out. She sticks around. Well, it's only eight weeks. Because she's she's fucking his brother. Brother. The brother is like yeah. just a doofus. Like he's you're like, total, oh, he's yeah. like looks, he looks like he's like the type like of guy that would be like Cobain. a Mountain Dew commercial. <laughs> like, <laughs> and like in the first movie, like where they're like the brunette couple is like the smart ones, and then the blonde ones are like they just walk in on them fucking, and they're like, "Hey, put your pants on, blonde people." Yeah, the brunettes dumb, are here. <laughs> it's like, what is happening? This is another example of a movie that where the romantic relationship—it's not necessarily ever really clear why the two characters like each other or why. Setting the whole the BDSM thing completely aside, yeah. right. just their personality, kind of like the Shape of Water. That or suddenly they're in love. Yeah, she gives them an egg, and now they're in love. What the fuck? um, Excuse me, that's how all my relationships started. (laughs) You're like you're talking about eggs, carrying around pockets (laughs) full of eggs at any given time, (laughs) (laughs) making people fall in love with me. But yeah, I mean, so many movies do not handle this well, where we actually see what the two characters are compatible over and why. We don't know. I'm so so sorry. That was a debt collector. Oh, (laughs) great. (laughs) Yeah. So I just, I just don't know why it's so hard for movies movies about romance to actually depict romance well mm. in a way where mm-hmm. like oh we understand why Anastasia would like Christian and why Christian the only reason that's given is like Christian's just like I can't stay away from you and I guess she they likes him because when- he's rich like I don't know there was one line where he and this is at the very beginning where he was just like he knew what like the name of three books and you could tell she was impressed by that and I was like oh this is hack <laughs> but I get just, she's like that's oh, the bare minimum though t- oh no I totally agree I just I'm like they they tried 
exactly one time that I noticed of just like, oh yeah, also I can read. And she's like, oh my God. Bronte. Right. Thomas Thomas Hardy. Yeah. Anyway. I will say that I'm pretty sure this movie passes the Bechdel test in its first spoken words. In the very first scene of the first movie. Yeah. They're talking, in a way they're talking about Christian Grey because it has to do with the fact that she's leaving to go interview Interview him. Right. But he is not explicitly stated. So the very first scene they're just talking about like, you know, good luck. Is that what you're wearing? Are you, do you need anything? Take my car. I have a GPS. Like, yeah, yeah, they don't, they're talking about like her prepping for the interview with him, but he does not actually get stated. So I would guess that it, I think I would say that scene passes. Even though the context of their conversation is about interviewing a man, however, yeah, I would. Most of the scenes after that are either Anastasia and Kate, or Anastasia talks to his mom very briefly a few times. Mm-hmm. But Usually most of the conversations are mm-hmm. about Christian Grey. I was genuinely, I like, I yelped. I was like, oh, "Did this movie just pass in minute one? one? <laughs> Can't believe it!" There, but yeah, Kate quickly just becomes a little like. How do you feel? Oh, he's looking Isn't at you. The way that Kate addresses her not being a virgin anymore is very bizarre, where she's like, how do you feel? And Anna goes, I feel different. And she's like, yeah, you do. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, oh, that's the end of the conversation. Yeah. Great. Cool. And then Anna logs into her sex laptop yeah. Yeah. and answers sex emails uh, for, <laughs> that her sex boyfriend is sex harassing her with. Mm-hmm. Lots mm-hmm. of harassing emails in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Shall we rate the movie on our nipple scale? Let's do it. All right, based on the portrayal of women, we have a nipple scale of zero to five nipples, five being the best. Okay, I'm going to have to just sort of talk through this one because, like I said, there are a few major things that I think the movie does really well in that it promotes consent as being a very important thing. Female nudity is not gratuitous and actually makes sense in the context of the story for once. And female pleasure is framed as something that is good and that that's something that you should strive for. However, the romantic relationship, if you can um, call it that, because he's so reluctant to say that he, he do, mm-hmm. oh, I don't do romance. I fuck hard. I, <laughs> a direct You're quote from like, the movie. Ah! <laughs> I don't make love. I fuck hard. I, I, that was a big moment in Miami. For all intents and purposes, we'll call it a romantic relationship because it is, like you said, Jamie, him being abusive and predatory is lumped in with the BDSM aspect of their relationship and not separated as those two things should be. Right. And his predatory behavior not being framed as something that's problematic in the movie. It almost kind of cancels out the good things of it. It's weird. It's weird because and and then also it's like. Okay, they don't separate those behaviors. And then, so as a result, the audience takeaway is that BDSM proclivities is a thing to be cured yeah. and not just a part mm-hmm. of someone that can be accepted because it looks so dangerous the way it's presented in the movie. Right. So, with that in mind, I think I'm going to give it one nipple. Okay. Because for all of its positive things, I think those are immediately canceled out by the negative parts of the movie. So um, one nipple, I will give it to Anastasia's bare nipple that you see many, many times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to give it two. Okay. I thought maybe one was too low, but I'm sticking with one. Follow your heart. I, I'm going to give it two. And I do feel like if I saw all three movies, I might feel a little bit different. But based on the first movie alone, 
I'm going to give it two. I wish just in general, I mean, it's a movie about a relationship between two people. I wish that the the female B characters were given more to do and more to contribute other than just asking Anastasia how she's feeling because it's bad writing and also because we don't know anything about them. Mm-hmm. So the way the B characters are treated, especially with the women, was like pretty lazy and I feel like we could have gotten a lot more by using them more. But Anna as a character, I, I do like her and I feel for her and I think she is disserviced in a lot of ways, primarily by how her partner represents all things kink and mm-hmm. how consent is dealt with well, so much is not dealt with well. Mm-hmm. But based on our central female protagonist, I like her, I feel for her, I was like excited and like rooted for her when she got hers recognized where her boundary was and was like i'm out Mm -hmm. but then i mean there's again it's just whenever we do a story that's like this story is badly written it's uh it's a challenge from moment one Mm -hmm. but i'll I'll get i will give this two i'll give one to anna and i'm gonna give one to Marsha gay harden because she's Mm -hmm. a woman in stem she's a doctor doctor. that's right she's a doctor i'll give it two Mm -hmm. i wish i could give it less because i wish the bar was higher Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But we're just so desperate for like anything that's not created by a man, written by men. You know, like Mm -hmm. this does feel different. And it's like, oh, I can see a little bit of the light cracking through the, you know, the bro On the right track. Yeah. On the right track. A good start. Let's get a better written story. (laughs) Let's (laughs) better acting, more complex story. I fuck hard. I fuck hard. Let's show us more kinky Seattle stories. You know, I mean, on one hand, <laughs> Reboot well, Frasier. Like movies that celebrate women's sexuality like Magic Mike and like, you know, mm-hmm. they're just it's fun to go see those movies. And I agree that like women should be able to go see movies like this, Twilight, you know, whatever. I mean, the most fun I've ever had in movie theaters are those types of movies. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I went to Twilight. The first one. Mm -hmm. Tears were streaming down my face. I was laughing so fucking hard because (laughs) the women in the audience were going nuts. Teen girls. I mean, every time when like um, Taylor Lautner came on the screen, they were like, And I was just like, oh, my God. It was like women were just like in their in their element. Yeah. Like it was like when we were having like a, a witch, you know, gathering <laughs> in the woods. so great. I love yeah. that. And then yeah. I, the other one was um, I went to see a Magic Mike screening that was so fun that like it was Magic oh, Mike 2. Awesome. And it was just like everyone was dying laughing throughout the whole movie. It was so fun. And then the other one, which I'll never forget, was I went to the opening night uh, in New York of um, He's Just Not That Into You. Oh, whoa. And okay. it was almost all women in the audience. And, like, everyone had brought <laughs> wine, like, snuck in wine. I mean, people were, like, wasted. <laughs> yeah. And it was, like, so fucking funny because there was one moment where that would be a good one for y'all to do if you haven't already. We haven't. No, I remember. Um, I saw that after yeah. my first breakup. He's just not. Yeah, it's a, it's, it, I loved the movie. It's a good movie. I know, yeah, but I enjoyed I read the book. it. Yeah. I've never hated a, another book more in my entire life. Oh, I think I hate. Yeah, I hate the idea of it. But the movie was very entertaining. <laughs> it was very fun. And it was really fun to be in a movie theater. But. But there's a moment in the movie that's like the big dramatic like proposal moment Mm. and no joke you could hear this ripple across the theater where it was dead quiet and then just a sort of wave of laughter because (laughs) every woman was crying and then it was like you're crying no you're crying and everyone started fucking laughing and it was so funny it was just like uh, it was like there's just not that many movies where it's like women where it centers women in a way that like and we are like a force 
Like Twilight, these are juggernauts. They made so much money, but yeah. they are treated like second fiddle to these horrible superhero movies that are just absolute shit. What do you mean? Justice League was great. <laughs> There's, there, yeah, there yeah. are so there are so few places where like groups of women from all different. All different walks of life, yeah, 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 can just like get into the same room and have like a weird, silly, good time. And so I never want to be like Fifty Shades of Grey shouldn't exist. Like no, it's got no. a ton of problems, but I'm I'm thrilled it exists because yeah. it gives you like that good cathartic experience that it's super hard to find anywhere yeah. except the movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Worth mentioning. This is a very white movie. This is a very yeah. hero movie. Yes. Yeah, a lot of straighties, a lot of white people. Yes. As with most movies, which Very is true. no excuse, but, yeah. you know, follows the trend. Absolutely. Well, Sarah, thank you, guys, you so much yeah. for being here and chatting about thank Fifty you Shades so of Grey with us. Yeah. yeah. Where can people follow you? What would you like to plug? Um, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Sarah Schaefer one across the board. And I have this new podcast, which I'm really excited about, which is sort of weird. And it's like me in the future commenting on right now. It's like got that. like a fictional element to it, a fantasy dystopian thing going on, plus real topical discussion. Um, Very cool. And what's the name of your podcast again? It's called Loner at Coy Wolf Creek. Coy Wolf being like a combination of coyote Yeah, there's a new wolf. species of, uh, already exists, there's mm. a new species of animal uh, where some coyotes and wolves and dogs, a little bit of dog in there, Whoa, fucked. Whoa, yes. dogs. Yes. <laughs> Christian Grey Wolf. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> oh, there's already a wolf thing. It's Twilight. Oh, Taylor Lautner. Hey, you can follow the Bechtel cast on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can rate and review us on iTunes. You can buy our merch online. What? Oh, my gosh. Wild. You can also subscribe to our Patreon and give us $5 a month, and then you get two bonus episodes of the Bechtel cast every month. Mm-hmm. It's a win, 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 win. And other than that, I just want everyone to know that I fuck hard. <laughs> I fuck hard. See you in the playroom. Sounds like you might not. (laughs) You have to say it. I actually fuck very soft. (laughs) Sounds good. Thank you. Put it on a t-shirt. Okay, bye. Bye. (laughs) Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.